I'll be reading from 2 Kings, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal and made an Asherah, as Ahab king of Israel had done, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. He built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his son as an offering, and he was fortune-telling and omens, and dealt with mediums and necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of Asherah that he had made, he set in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will not cause the feet of Israel to wander any more out of the land that I gave to their fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they did not listen, and Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than all the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. And the Lord said, to his ser- said by his servants the prophets, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed these abominations and has done more evil than all that the Amorites did who were before him and has made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such disaster that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle, and I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plumb line of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. And I will forsake the remnant of my heritage and give them into the hands of their enemies. And they shall become a prey and a spoil to all their enemies, because they have done what is evil in the sight, in my sight and have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another, besides the sin that he had made Judah to sin, so that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and the sin that he committed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? Didn't this used to be bigger? Huh? Sure it did. I, I'm pretty sure that it used to be bigger. Um, unless I've grown, it um, <clears throat> doesn't appear to be much room on the, uh, on the podium for notes. Good morning again, church. Um, we're going we're gonna to conclude talking about Manasseh today um, it, it is one of my favorite stories and uh, I'll get to the why in just a little bit but first of all want to address some of what John David um, read to you just a moment ago 
Manasseh is one of the worst, was one of the worst kings, if not the worst king in Israel. He, he was a horrible, horrible individual um, and, and leader. We, we, we see within that, I'm, I'm going to reread a couple of the verses. Um, verse 11, because Manasseh, king of Judah, um, hath done these abominations, abominations, he hath done wickedly above all that the Amorites did. Now the Amorites were one of the inhabitants in, in Canaan that, that existed there. You got the Amalekites and the Moabites and Sheabites and, and, and the Philistines and the Amorites. And the Amorites, God picks the Amorites as the standard of evil to which he compares Manasseh, the king of his people, the, the king of, of Israel, the, the, the king that is supposed to provide direction and, and, and guidance for God's people that is, is supposed to rule according to God's holy standards. And Manasseh, as, 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 as you've heard and as you know, Caleb has talked about, he reigned for 55 years. He took over for his father, Hezekiah. Right? And Hezekiah was the, the, the gentleman that, that was told, right? He was told that he had to get his house in order. His days were numbered. He entreated God, and God gave him 15 more years. Um, and, and he did not set a very good example for his son, obviously, because before his life ended, he cozied up with the enemies of, of Jerusalem, of, of Israel. He, he, he cozied up to them, brought them in, and showed them all of the treasures he showed them everything in, in the temple, the, the holy um, elements that were dedicated to God. He showed them all of these things. And when he was asked about it, he said, yeah, I held nothing back. I showed him everything. And his son took over when Hezekiah died. Manasseh was 12 years old. And he reigned for 55 years as, as king and, and as an evil evil king God tells us well the Amorites they, they were people amongst the others that, that lived in, in this land you know and, and it's a hard thing for a lot of people to get their, their heads around um, especially the, the world right that wants to that wants to recreate God in, in their image, that, that God would wipe out, that he would wipe out entire nations, entire races of people. But that's what he told Israel to do when they came into the land. He told them to wipe them out. And to me, the best I can get my head around it is that they represented the absolute opposite of what God wanted for his people. They were so entrenched in their evils. They were so entrenched in their debaucheries. They, they, 
they celebrated it. Their, their societies were built on evil. The, the antithesis of holiness, of godliness, of, of goodness, their societies breathed it. They ate it. They drank it. They, they were made up of evil, abomination, practices that were set absolutely against God Almighty. And Manasseh adopted this. He adopted the idolatry. He adopted the, 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 the prostitution in the temples. He adopted child sacrifice. He, he adopted all of the sexual depravities that existed in, the, in this country. And, and I will submit to you that he one-upped them. Because God says of Manasseh that he was even more so than the Amorites that, that, that practiced these things. You know, God destroyed entire cities, we've seen, right? Because of the debauchery that existed in them. And yet, and yet, Manasseh brought this into Israel, brought this into the kingdom. Not only did he allow it in, he promoted it. He rebuilt the high places of worship for idolatry. Right? He, he, he instituted it for the people. And, and, and don't tell me, don't tell me it doesn't matter who the king is, because it does. The people of Israel fell because they followed an evil king. He went down the path of darkness, depravity, and of godlessness, and the country followed him, and they, they paid. They paid dearly. Listen, listen to what God says. Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations and hath done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, back the slide up one, that were before him and hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore thus said Jehovah, the God of Israel, Behold, I bring such evil upon Jerusalem and Judah that whosoever heareth it, both his ears will tingle. I, I, I looked up the, 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 the Greek for that word well, in the Hebrew. In this instance, and, and, it, and it literally means to buzz and to vibrate violently. That that the things that were going to be brought upon them because of of this evilness would be shuddering to anyone that that even hears hears about it. But he dragged he dragged Israel down uh, with, with him the, because they followed um, his lead. For good or for bad, they follow. Um, and, and so his decisions are going to impact Israel for generations to come. They, they're, they're, going to, they're going to bear consequences for generations uh, to, to come.
But that's one of the reasons, as Caleb's pointed out, that he lived peacefully amongst the inhabitants of that land because they looked no different than the rest of them. They practiced the same things that they practiced. They worshiped the same idols that they worshiped. They engaged in the same depravities as, as those around them. They looked no different than the society and the societies that they were supposed to stand out and stand above, right, and stand against. That is what Manasseh did. Galatians 5, there, there isn't a slide for this, but I'll just read it, right? You know, it, it's the passage that, that we're familiar with. Um, talks about the, uh, <clears throat> the, the sins of the flesh, or the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. Contrasts the two. You know, it, it's, it, it's hard. It, it, it's hard. It was hard for me to put together a really a comprehensive list other than just calling things abominations and calling things depravity because the, the, the evilness within the mind of, of the flesh has imagination, has imagination. The, the, the father of lies and the father of sin gets into people's hearts and minds and gets into nations' hearts and minds. Um, and the, the things that are done in the name of evil are hard to imagine at times. No matter what we think we know, the, the nature of evil is, is shuddering. It, it is shuddering. Paul tells us, he's telling the, the, the churches in Galatia, the deeds of the flesh are, are evident. They make, they, make them, they make themselves known. He says, you know, their immorality, impurity, sensuality. You know, no, those are bad words, but, but the, the evidence and the actions underlying those things are, are abhorred, aren't they? The things that they, that they represent that man does and that man gets into and that this king allowed and promoted are, are sickening to, to think of. Um, that they just are. Sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, Jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. It's hard to encapsulate what was going on. But God referred to him as someone who shed innocent blood and that the streets of Jerusalem were filled with the blood of the innocent. That's King Manasseh. That is King Manasseh. Everything that was evil, everything 
that stands against God was practiced. And not just practiced, it was, it, it, it was an aspect of their life of, of worship. Because they had gods for all of, all of these evil things. And, and what they did, they did for their idolatrous gods. And so, it's a, it's a nasty, nasty picture. But I believe that they were so in, entrenched in it, that they, that they were so invested in it. I mean, th think, about, think about your position of worship. Think, think about your intentional worship to God, service to Him. Your, your belief in, in Jesus Christ, right? Your commitment to one another, the, 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 the passion that you have for that. And take that, and hopefully it is strong, yes? Take that and apply the same level of energy, devotion, commitment, passion to idol worship. And all the things it demands. And that's what you have in Israel under the reign of Manasseh. Still wondering why it's one of my favorite stories? I want you to take a second and uh, think about the worst sin that you've ever committed. Or sins. That, that, that you've committed. Can you think of any? See, one of the things I hope that, that we never do as a church, that we don't do as individuals, is, is forget, not to dwell upon, but not forget what the sacrifice of Jesus Christ did, what it accomplished and what it overcome or overcame. It overcame the worst that you ever were. It, it, it overcame that which was detestable in the sight of God. It, it, it rescued you and delivered you from the worst that was in you. From that which can you even compare to what we've been talking about? But that's how powerful the blood of Christ is. And the question that I've got for you, did you ever feel unforgivable? Did you ever feel that whatever you had done, whatever your state was, wherever you were in life, that, that you were in a state that was unforgivable? That, that's why I like the story of Manasseh. Because it's pretty hard to find a worse example of an individual, a better example of somebody who is so far gone that you would think that he might think he is unforgivable. See, that's the state that much of the world finds itself in. 
is that state of thinking you can't be saved, you can't be, you can't be rescued, you can't be salvaged, right? And that's what Satan whispers in people's ears. You, you are not worth, you are not worth it. Whatever you've done, that, that is too, too bad. Manasseh, we will find, though, as we look um, here in 2 Chronicles. We're not going to go look at the, at the other bad stuff. We've, we've got a good feel for that. But, you know, in, in, in the king's writings, you know, he listed... Uh, it, it was extensive, but then he says, this isn't it, there's more. Go look in Chronicles, and, and there's more. Second Chronicles 33, beginning in verse 10. See, Manasseh, God sent the Babylonians into Israel, into, in, into Jerusalem. And this guy was hauled away. They, they, they plundered it. They, 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 just, they destroyed him. They took him into captivity. He was hauled away, naked, beaten, with a hook through his nose, like cattle. That's how they took Manasseh into captivity. If I were to ask you, did he deserve that? I might get a mixed response. But that's, that was the state that he came to. And that was, the, that was the, the doom that he caused upon the house of Israel. Unforgivable. Jehovah spake to Manasseh and to his people, but, but they gave no heed. Wherefore, Jehovah brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, uh, who took Manasseh in chains and bound him with, with fetters and carried him to, to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he besought Jehovah, his God, and he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that Jehovah, he was God. Now after this, he built an outer wall to the city of David on the west side of Gion in the valley, even to the entrance at the first gate or at the fish gate, and he, and he compassed Ophel about with it and, and raised it up to a very great height. And he put valiant captains in all of the fortified cities of Judah. And he took away the foreign gods and the idol out of the temple, the house of Jehovah, and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of Jehovah and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. 
And he built up the altar of Jehovah and offered thereon sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving and commanded Judah to serve Jehovah, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people sacrificed still in the high places, but only to Jehovah, their God. Quite a turnaround by this man. And man, you know, the, the human side says just going to God and being humble and being contrite just because you're in a, a distressful position. And that shouldn't get him off the hook. But God knows the heart of man. And even the worst, if he humbles himself, if he asks for forgiveness, God will forgive and God will restore. That is the message of the gospel. That, that is the forgiving heart of God, Jehovah. That is the God that we serve, on whom we rely, and in whose grace we place our trust. Manasseh turned around. Now, when you have a life change, right? When, when, when you look different, when you act different, a faithful life will invite insults. You know, so I, I, I dare say this was the end of the friendly relationships with the societies around Israel, right? They were no longer going to look like the rest of the societies, the rest of the countries, the rest of these peoples. They, they were no longer going to look evil. They were going to look righteous. And they were even going to practice their righteousness in the high places where the pagans would go to worship and sacrifice to idols. Israel was going to turn around. Faithful living and godly proclamations will meet with opposition from those around you. Friends, families, acquaintances, strangers, co-workers, governments. Faithful living will find that opposition. That opposition will find, will find it. Because it is a complete contrast and reminder You've heard me say this before. Cain killed Abel, his brother. And one of the reasons I believe he did is because evil and someone practicing evil is not interested in a constant reminder of, 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 of their state, a constant reminder of the falling short of what, what God wants. You know, that, that will create an, an envy. That will create a jealousy. 
Um, it will cre <coughs> create a hatred. Um, evil does not like. It does not like holiness. Um, and, and that's what finally, right, finally, Manasseh was able to be the leader that he should have always been. And that was one that was pointing the nation toward God, not toward the evils, right? Not toward the abominations, not, not the, the sexual depravities, not, not killing children, right? The leader is to point them in, in the righteous directions. God values and, and, and his morals, right? We, we hear about morals. Um, you know, I've seen some posts recently with regard to, to morals. Uh, you know, people like to create their own moral standards. And, uh, and, and therefore, you have every society and every fragment of society has their own moral standard. Um, and, and, and none of it looks like God's. There is one moral standard, and it comes from God Almighty. And it must be exhibited uh, in, in our lives. Um, Ephesians. The challenging piece for me in, in this scripture um, is to balance the, the idea of, of what occurred with Manasseh um, and, and the fact that it bears, it, it, there are consequences, right? And the consequences from his behavior are felt for generations, right? But also within that story is this story of tremendous forgiveness. I, I once had somebody say to me, uh, and, and this, is, this is one of the reasons that I love this story. I once had somebody say to me that, that they did not think that God could forgive them for what they had done. And I won't go into what that was, but it, it weighed on this person's heart because of what he had done. And I said, Manasseh was the worst of the worst. And when he changed his heart, God forgave him. And, and don't miss this. It was, it was when he felt the forgiveness, when he, when he obtained the forgiveness of God for his sins, that, is, that propelled him to change his life and his actions. It, it, it propelled him, right, to, to proclaim God with his life and, and within his kingdom. And so our, our job, one of our jobs, right, as we see in, in the book of Ephesians, the, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through, through the church the manifold wisdom of God 
might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Our message to folks has got to be one of, of hope, one that the people understand that no matter what you've done, no matter if you think you're unforgivable, you're not the one that makes that determination. God is, and God has the capacity to forgive. He is in the forgiveness business, right? Take that with you. It rhymes. Forgiveness business. That is God's business. He wants to reconcile the sinful fallen man with, with himself. 2 Kings 24. In his days, and this is why it's a, it's, it's a, I don't say troubling thing, but it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing um, because you see, you see this repeated in, in Scripture. Sins of the Father are carried on to the children. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something to ponder. I have my answer that I'm, I'm about to share. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up um, and Jechiah came, uh, became his servant uh, three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him, and Jehovah sent against him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the children of Ammon, uh, and sent them against uh, Judah to destroy it, according to the word of Jehovah, which he spake by his servants, the prophets. Surely at the commandment of Jehovah, came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he did and also for the innocent blood that he shed for he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood and Jehovah would not pardon now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiakim his son um, reigned in his stead. And the king of Egypt came not again any more out of his land, for the king of Babylon had taken uh, from the brook of Egypt unto the river Euphrates all that pertained to the king of Egypt. And Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. And his mother's name was Nehusta, the daughter of Anathan of, of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of Jehovah, according to all that his father had done. And that, at that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came unto the city while his servants were besieging it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon. He and his mother and his servants and his princes, his officers and the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. And he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of Jehovah and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of Jehovah, as Jehovah had said. Tough thing to reconcile. Tough thing to reconcile. God forgave him. 
but there were still consequences for what he had done. Consequences that impacted nations and generations because of what he did. And so, to me, as I've looked at this, I think about David, right, and the trouble that, you know, that um, came upon his household and his sons for generations. And I believe we see that so that we understand what God knows is that evil practices, sinful lives have consequences. And the consequences are far-reaching. They are far-reaching. We see it. It's, it's been laid before us. And so we should take notice and take heed of that with, with our lives and understand that consequences occur and, and that they're not just consequences of an individual, but the consequences touch, touch other lives. John 3.16 is our concluding slide today, concluding verse. Because in all of this, it's not, a, it's not an uplifting story, um, but it is a story that, that ends with, with hope. And it's, again, it's a story that those around us need to hear. They need to understand that they are redeemable that the, the power of God and the, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I mean, that's, that's why Christ, that's why Christ did what he did. Because that was the only way to redeem mankind, to redeem me and to redeem you. Sin, sin. But there are things that are abhorred, abominations, things that has far-reaching effects and impacts on, on people. But this story, right, and this message is one that also people need to hear because this is what God did to fix it. The gospel message. As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, right, and this, this story here, right, John three sixteen is surrounded by a story of faith. When the children of Israel were, were in the, the wilderness and they were being bitten by poisonous serpents and dying, and Moses fashioned a, 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 a bronze serpent, right, and, and put it up for them to turn to. There weren't anything magical about that, but the act of faith that he asked of them, when they turned and looked at the serpent, that would save them. And so the comparison is that just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And for this reason, God loved the world so much, even as evil as the hearts of man can be. He gave his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved 
through him. Message is yours. Um, if you take nothing else away, take away the understanding and the idea that everyone is forgivable. And we need to help them understand that. We first and foremost need to remember it. But we also need to, to share it. Because I guarantee you that every one of us knows somebody that finds themselves in, in that kind of state. They're not good enough to come to church. They're not good enough to be with, with, with folks that come to church. But the thing that they're missing, right, is we don't come to church because we're righteous. We, we, we come because we've been saved. We've been forgiven, and we understand that. Um, and that, that changes, just like Manasseh, that changes your walk. That changes your response to what God did for you and for them. If you have any needs today um, that the church can, can assist you with, we invite you to come while we stand and while Caleb leads us in song.